I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift for the Vuelta a San Juan total recap. We just watched the last stage, a two-dot pro race in Argentina. All the special teams had been flown out to go there, I think. Uh, otherwise, it makes no sense why uh, Remco, even if all the world champion, was there. But we also had some uh, Miguel Angel Lopez there, who obviously had his contract terminated by Astana. He's now on Team Medellin. He was one of the big favorites for the race, which was not the most entertaining parkour I've ever seen in my life. Uh, literally six sprint stages, no TT. One of the sprints they just finished on an autodrome. That's cool, I guess. And then one <laughs> long-ass highway climb up to Alto del Colorado, which was like false flat for a lot of it. So, yeah, it was – why did they take a TT out? I guess, to be honest, the TT didn't add much, Benji, because they had it as non-TT bikes anyway. So yeah, what is the point of it at that point? Yeah, I think the reason was indeed that the level between the teams was so significant – that as a consequence, we noticed that the yeah the teams were just so different when it comes to their level. And because of that, they had to put in that rule that normal road bikes would be used for that. So time trial bikes not happening. So I guess it might as well just take it out. Eh? So we had mostly sprints on the menu. And stage one was a sprint stage, San Juan to San Juan, which is something that happens in the Vuelta San Juan. A uh, stage that is completely flat. It was going to come down to a sprint, and let's be honest, it was a sprint. Quick step splits in half during that lead out, as in Remco goes on the left side of the road, Jakobsen follows, and on the right side is the rest of the train, and therefore Jakobsen is out of contention. And we see a perfect lead out on Poppel, and Sam Bennett is the winner of the stage. Like, what, what was like the key moment you see in this first stage? It's Jakobsen letting Merku's wheel go. Now, not a big criticism of it in this isolated situational scenario. It's like, it was a very dangerous run-in. I did a video about it. There's a whole host of factors that made this a very dangerous run-in. And it's actually really unbelievable and a testament to the bike handling skills of all these guys that there wasn't a huge crash, which could have involved also spectators who were, the bunch were pretty much literally riding directly towards. So thank God that didn't happen. There was a crash, but not, it could have been much worse. And yeah, Fabio doesn't follow Merku's wheel, who does go to the, the right direction. His sprint's done. We have good sprinters here, though. Gaviria, who I liked Movistar signing because Cantor, I'm afraid, was not was not getting it done. Uh, you know, Cantor's just not Gaviria, uh, and it's a one-year deal. Gaviria, Wellsford, uh, Jakobsen, Bennett, Nizzolo, who looked a little bit sharper, uh, as well as Viviani, both Vivianis maybe, and uh, Malicelli, I think, as well. And Peter again, of course, for Total Energy, who announced his retirement on the rest day. So, Danny Van Poppel just doing Danny Van Poppel things, Benji. That's just, <laughs> like, he looks just as good as ever. He's, his contract years for a lot of these guys too, you know? Yep. Uh, Van Poppel, Bennett, Jakobsen, 
Nitolo maybe as well, Wellsford, Gaviria. So all contract years for these sprinters. So it's not the biggest race, but listen, all the, all the wins count in a contract year. So yeah, there's not much more to add. I think for stage one, stage two was was sort of the same stage, right? Yep, feel felt like that as well. Indeed, it was once again a a sprint stage, and on this one it was kind of weird because like half the stage went uphill, slight descent in the middle, and then half the stage went uphill again. But it's like falls flat where it's not noticeable really for the sprinters. Anyway, once again the sprint happens perfectly out for Bennett once again by Van Poppel, but. Bennett kind of blocks in Merkel on the right side of the road. As a consequence, Jakobsen has to change wheels. At this point, it's right that he takes a different wheel because Merkel can't get out there. So a wise decision in this moment to go from the wheel of Merkel to another. But yeah, Jakobsen was faster from that wheel. Bennett could not succeed in securing the victory regardless of the perfect lead out. Gaviria, I think, even came over Bennett towards the end who who didn't even finish in the top three because Abarasturi then came on the other side. Abarasturi. Formal apologies. I've uh, I've said that he was worthless. No He's apologies. at least performed. He's at least performed in one sprint stage in the year already. But if he can if he can do this level of this sprint in every single sprint, I'll apologize properly. But not yet. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. Anyway, Jakobsen beating Bennett. Do you feel like it's a similar scenario where, like in the Oet or a few years ago, we were mentioning about oh, Ewan is in the wheel of of Bennett, and if Ewan is in that wheel, then he can beat Bennett? Or do you feel like Jakobsen, Jakobsen is a better sprinter than Bennett, in my personal opinion? But not consistently. I'm not even sure about that anymore. I'm honestly not wow. even sure about that. Because... Meh. Okay, how, how, do we, how do we value a guy's ability to hold the wheel? That, that's, a very, that's a very active point, but also when it comes to the pure Bennett speed... Bennett never loses the wheel ever but a Van Poppel in this specific stage Jakobsen did choose to leave the wheel and it was a good choice so yeah he leaves the wheel too much and sometimes it's the right choice sometimes often it's not the right choice to let the wheel of Merku go because usually Merku knows what he's doing that like the guy has experience yeah. the guy knows what he's doing the thing for me is that Jakobsen still is a faster top speed sprinter than Bennett in my he opinion. Is. He is, for sure. And I think that also is valuable. I mean, yeah, if you put Jakobsen in the wheel of Van Poppel, he's gonna, they're going to have some really impressive sprint victories, perhaps even Boran's grower thinking about that with both of them out of contract, Bennett and Jakobsen. But, yeah, I, I really... And you look at the Tour de France last year too, I don't know. Like, Bennett, I mean, Bennett, listen, Bennett wasn't consistent last year either. Um, I will say he looked pretty good in that. He looked pretty sharp in stage one. But yeah, yeah, it's it's tough. In a drag race with equal lead outs, I'll take Jakobsen. But Jakobsen's inconsistency is something that has to be acknowledged at this point where he's yeah. he's making some of these sprints harder than it needs to be. And there's one big one right at the end that we'll talk about. But stage three was actually a little bit different. They finished on the Villicum, Villicum Autodrome. It's like a, it's yeah, it's a motorbike circuit pretty much. It it, yeah. it looks weird every time that they do it, and they do like the last couple of k's on there. They do a couple of laps, and last time they did this circuit, Jeanex uh, Stebar won with like a finesse attack, Christophe Laporte stage nineteen Tour de France style, and yeah. there were some crosswinds as well. I can't remember who was trying to drive it. it. It was weird. It was like it wasn't complete crosswinds because nobody took it up completely. 
But once they got on that velodrome, it was really noticeable that the wind was there because the peloton was spread across the entire very wide road and they were struggling because yeah, like the road goes back and forth on the on the on the autodrome. I, I said velodrome, I think, for a second there. Uh, very different thing. <laughs> it was a velodrome for this day, though. <laughs> but the road is going back and forth, and as a consequence, you knew that certain sections had a lot of wind and so forth, which means that if they turn around, then the wind might kick in your wheel and give you a bit of tailwind if you go for a move. And I think Quinn Simmons had that in mind. I think Stibar might have used that in the past. And with 500-ish meters to go, we saw Remco, who was controlling it, stop controlling the group. And it kind of stalled with some riders moving towards the front, but nothing serious. And Remco's lead out, man. Let's put it in the bin. <laughs> Let's stop the experiment. It's not working. It was, it's different. He goes to the front. He puts his rider behind him in the bin. Yeah. In, in his wheel. And, and, it, and then it creates problems. That's how I see it. Yeah, but I feel like it's different from last year. I feel like when I was looking at the sprint leadouts this time around, they felt very different compared to the ones we saw in early last year, Algar, for example. Because then you saw like the damage where Remco was doing already to the group that he was in. And I feel like here, other teams were able to ride next to him still. Do you feel like it was weaker than last year's lead out? I mean, maybe he's not in top shape as compared to what's Algarve, right? It's in another three weeks, normally in the yeah. calendar. I don't know. It just, it just didn't, no stage really, yeah, it just didn't click, especially on that autodrome. And I feel like Remke went to the front, pulled really hard, got separation to his wheel, which when you're not attacking is not actually a good thing when you're in the lead out. And then when he stops, there's this moment where it stalls and yeah. Quinn Simmons, yeah, can just go in that moment. And Richese actually eventually sprints out of the bunch to go after him. And Simmons, Simmons wins the stage with like a really impressive finesse attack. He went with about seven, no, 70 seconds to go, 75 seconds to go, over a kilometer to go on this autodrome with a little uphill drag at the end. And it's just really like his power output, he's, I think he did, oh, 700 watts for 70 seconds, maybe 800 watts for 70 seconds. With That's with a 12-second, 10-second burst at the start oh. with like a 1,450-watt peak. Yeah, really impressive. Regular attack. Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's fresh though, like for real, it's fully fresh. So that is his fresh numbers and a lot of the yeah. pros, yeah, have crazy fresh numbers. So does that mean he's going to do that in a, in a classic at the end? No, but for this particular parkour, it's, I do like this finish because it has weird results and it allows that finesse for attack. But yeah, I, I wanted Richese to win too, but you know, Simmons yeah. getting a win was cool. About him, about Richese, he's like, He's clearly still good enough to be a lead it's out or be in World Tour. Why is he not it's like, for example, I was tweeting about Groupama a few days ago because like Bram Welton is said to be the lead out man for Demar the entire year. It's possible that Bram Welton's a better lead out than I know because I haven't seen him lead out much. So that's possible. But the chase is out there. Like there must be a team that could use him. Like Lotto could use him. It's, yeah, it's another old lead out, but he's better than the ones they have. For sure, for sure. And it's like, it's a one-year deal. He'll probably he'll do it for 100 grand, man. Like, he's, he didn't want to retire. Like, what's also crazy to me, right, is Cav didn't return yeah. his calls when he was supposed to go to BB. And Bold got the contract. How, in what world? I mean, maybe it'll surprise me, but like, Case Bold tried to be a lead-out last year. And Case Bold, to me, and things can change, he's only 27, but to me, he's like, he has the raw power 
on his day, one in 50 sprints, he can actually beat some good guys, as he showed in Paranese. Yeah. But the other 49 times, he's not even in position at 500 meters to go. And yeah. what you want from a last man is kind of the opposite of that. Danny Van Poppel's always there, but he's just never been quite good enough to win himself against top competition. Yeah. Mercury's the same. Richeza's the same. And so if you actually want to consist... And remember Tour of Oman last year, Richeza, he's the guy that... He, he gave Gaviria that victory against Cav. So, uh, yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm shocked. But listen, teams will keep paying sprinters two mil. They'll then think about the lead-out guys in November, even though if you got... You know, you got lead out man literally more important than the sprinter you got. Yeah, I agree. So, yes, crazy. But Bubble should be on more than any sprinter. I mean, <laughs> I'll take. Does Wow count? <laughs> nah, well, nah. You mean like I a mean, drone like event? Pure, and... pure flat yeah, sprinter. Yeah. When you look at Bex, they gave, Bike Exchange gave all the money to Gronavegan, I presume. They got no final man for, for Gronavegan. Kel's good, second last man. But they're using like Hepburn sometimes. It doesn't make any sense. Anyway, before we get to what we think about Simmons, mention our show partner, Zwift. New events are kicking off in February. We'll take a quick look at the next seven days on Zwift. We've got the final stages of Tour de Zwift. You can even get a taste of the new world of Scotland on Ooh. stage eight. And also, I've been running a fair bit more, so I might sign up to this. There's the Zwift Academy Run. Coming on February sixth, maybe we've got some runners in the in the audience. Maybe that's heresy on the on a cycling podcast, but but I'm I, I actually I actually been running a lot. Registrations now open for Swift Academy Run. It's a four week course designed by world class coaches Terence McMahon and three time Olympian Jen Ryan's with one goal: level up your running training fast. And it's a program perfect for all athletes of all levels. So go check out Swift Academy Run if you're into running as well thanks to swift as always for supporting the show anyway benji quinn simmons said he wanted to win i was surprised by how much work he had gone into him yeah on his side for this particular stage and i think that was important in him winning he said they studied this exact finish and just studied how stebar won and i don't think i don't think all guys are doing that for every stage for certain i remember that that stage in the Tour de France, like a few years ago, where, where Pierre Roland went in the breakaway, and after the stage, he said that oh, I didn't even know that the stage that the stage finishes on this climb until I was on it. Like, there's there's a clear difference between like the attitude of certain riders towards certain stages, and if Simmons is focusing on stages so individually, so it's probably the team that helps him a lot with that, because eh? I heard his coach was working with that same video file of Stibar as he well. He said the coach, not the team. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. Maybe the team coach. I don't know. I don't know how it works. Yeah, it could be the team's coach. Yeah. Anyway, there. If so much goes into it from a rider's side, so much interest in certain stages. It's also kind of what you see when it comes to breakaway riders. They, they focus on like individual stages and try and hammer those down so well. But I think there's more to Quinn Simmons than a than a breakaway rider, or even well, he he's he's got the punch. He can ride cobbles. He's got a bit of a sprint in a reduced group, but not really like a proper sprint. And I think he's sprint. I think he does have a sprint. Yeah, but I think he just tactically completely butchered that Magnus Court stage. A Pitcock <laughs> sprint, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, it can't be worse than Pitcock's. But if I look at him more, 
he attacks a lot like Søren Kronersen did in the past, where it's always on the wrong moment, in my opinion. At this moment, it was perfect, by the way, but I'm talking about yeah, the yeah. classics. It was too early, like... And also, Tireno going for KOM jersey, I feel like we're past that when it comes to him. He's fucking talented, he can step up, and he can win World Tour races. I think he could be a really luxury domestique Tej Benoit style. I think he has a lot of the characteristics to me of Tej Benoit. Maybe not the pure, like Tej Benoit 20-minute climbing. Like, he came third in Paranese GC, like, what, two, two years ago? Like, maybe Simmons never gets there, but Simmons more talented. A little bit better. Simmons, yeah. He's got the more sprint and punch. There, there really is no reason why he's not contesting, except for Pedersen being there sometimes. But, you know, the, why didn't they send him to the Vuelta? Maybe <laughs> he didn't finish calendar because he could do a really good lead out for Pedersen on those sort of 3 4% finishes yeah. or whatever. So he's not like, he's not 85 kilos. Anyway, I think I'm interested to see what he does for the rest of the year, but good win for him. Another day that, the, or the day that the sprinters miss out, the only stage they missed out actually on the on the autodrome stage. The next day, well, I mean, we could say some missed out. We had a climb <laughs> <laughs> during the stage. It's unbelievable. We had a climb. It was a highway, twenty five k's, three and a half percent. You know what that means? Movistar pushed a little bit, and it's January, so Jakobsen and Bennett got dropped. But Bent was also in the break, which I didn't understand because, like, he was in a break, had seven minutes on the climb when I watched, like, the ticker of the race. And then I tune in with, like, 50 kilometers to go, and Bennett's not there anymore. So I was like, he was in the break, he's not in the break, but he's also not in the peloton anymore. So I think he dropped to the peloton throughout the last part of the climb. And then there's a small hill with, like, 30k to go. I'm guessing he must have dropped on that hill when there was some pressure put on that false flat section by the Sagan no shot. I no swear, shot. Total Energy. Total Energy was pacing big with the wind there. I, I swear, probably there. Okay. I mean, uh, yeah, that makes... I, listen, I'm going to put my hand up and say I didn't watch this stage in full because... Me neither. <laughs> I'm guessing. <laughs> 6 a.m. Sun. <laughs> May, we're climb. writing the script. Half of the stages had... Footage loss. <laughs> <laughs> they did, exactly. There might not even been any footage, so we can just say what happened. I'm surprised to see Nitsola <laughs> didn't make this finish. So, I mean, Nitsola doesn't normally get dropped on climbs like that. So maybe there was some crosswind stuff. But anyway, Movistar get repaid for their one-year contract to Gaviria. He wins impressively. Filippo Ganna went another finesse attack. Went with like 600 to go, maybe 500 big move with you know there's not that many sprinters there there's not the full trains there Movistar have been pacing they don't have you know a full lead out and Ghana got a nice gap and Gaviria he's actually always been really good at this yeah. he can he did this is how he won the, the Giro stage Benji or was that no no he attacked and then Ewan reeled him back this way he slingshots across to Ghana yeah and jumps he doesn't hesitate just jumps across gets in the slipstream and then comes out of the wheel and, yeah. and Sagan just couldn't come around him. And yeah, I think Gavir is a, a really, you saw at UAE, he was always in position still. It just didn't have whatever, it just didn't work. And then, yeah, I think a really nice win for him. I think there's a question to be asked, like, Jakobsen is dropped in this situation. He's not at the finish here. Gaviria wins that stage. Gana makes that late move. I think with 10k to go, I was like, Remco needs to attack because... The group was thinned out quite a bit. Like it was like forty people, thirty people, because of the the, the pacing by by Total Energy and the the wind that happened before then. So I was I like, Remco's did. gonna make a move. 
Did he? I think he did. Well, no, the, this is the okay. stage where legit there was no footage. This was where they were just literally yeah. talking for like 25 kilometers at the, through the feed. So Great commentary. I mean, yeah, tough job for Carlton and Brian Smith. Like, I didn't envy them in that position. But, yeah, this was um, – I, I think there was a guy in a white-ish jersey that tried an attack. So let's just say it was Remco. Has to be Remco. It, it would make sense that he would. It would make sense. Nah, so, I, think, I, think, I think it was a rider from the Argentina team. That's my guess. Yeah, which – there was a lot of white jerseys with sort of a pastel band in this race. The leader jersey. True. Was that? I didn't see it's that. It's white, it's, right? Is it? Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. The Queen Stage. From Chimbas to Alto del Colorado, a famous climb made famous by Gonzalo Najar, who had the climbing record. He attacked with like, did the whole pretty much of the climb solo? He did like 6.36 watts per kilo for about 36 minutes, which oh, it's 6.36. That's, you know, not that much. But, um, well, that's to 2,500 meters altitude. So when you adjust that, that's one of the best climbing performances ever in cycling. But? but anyway, his latest strips of the wind because he tests positive <laughs> for EPO. Uh, EPO-based blood booster, Sarah. Um, yeah. So he got a four-year ban. But <laughs> the record... I guess still stood <laughs> because no one, the, the climbing record, I guess, does, does no one officially remove the climbing record? We do that now. We're now the judges, the jury okay. and executioner. <laughs> I, I, I botched that. We're, we're now the peoples, the peoples that do the climbing records. Okay. I hereby command that Nahar is gone. Okay. Nahar's gone. Well, he was gone after this stage because Miguel Angel Lopez, if you haven't seen, this is no surprise. He he went for, uh, I think, the Las Palmas cli- climate that Aguita yep. had in training. And there's Instagram footage of literally Medellin, these guys just full fucking train in January 20th. <laughs> like hard pacing him. He's on a better setup now. The guy's legit on a better setup than he's ever been on in his life. Yeah. He had aero suit, aero helmet, um, like probably 6.8 kilo tarmac. And he smashed this like KOM, and I was like, he's going to destroy Colorado. He's always been good on like shallow climbs to altitude. It's a highway climb. And Remco attacked, self sabotage. He knew he didn't have it. And then uh, Lopez was way stronger. He he counted off Remco's move. Igita followed. Igita made a dumb move going to the front, and Lopez yeah. just went to the front again and binned, binned everyone. Are you surprised? Uh, I'm surprised that Lopez was winning that stage. Not necessarily. I did feel like I expected the stage to be less selective than it was in the sense that the gaps were big for a climb that is so limited when it comes to the gradient. Also, because in the past, this climb was not as selective, if I recall correctly. Like the day that Miguel and Eduardo Flores won ahead of like Remco and Gana before, because Gana got twice sixth on this stage. Now he gets second. Because Bernal was pacing for Gana, Martinez was pacing for Gana, and Gana attacked the group behind, and he gets second here, which he was actually closing in for a bit until we got to the steeper portions, which is not seriously steep, but a bit steeper than the portions where he attacked. And eventually he gets second still. But Bernal, really strong performance, being close as well. Higita actually gets a third spot, Bernal fourth, and we see Rubio getting the fifth spot in that stage. And Rubio, the guy that Thomas De Gend got angry at in in the Giro at some point, if you remember. So, um, I don't know. There's a few things about this. Afterwards, Remco actually said that he thought he had good legs and that he attacked and then realized how stupid it was because he didn't have the legs anymore. 
So it's kind of weird, huh? Because when you're looking at it, you, you would say, oh, yeah, Remco, meh. That was weird. But I don't know. Anyway, it's January. I guess I don't really care too much about the results at the top of the Alto de Colorado for the rest of the season necessarily, especially because we probably won't see Lopez in most of the top tier races anyway, unless he magically shows up with a different contract. Now, what are the most important aspects that you'd like to discuss about this stage? I mean, yeah, it's a it's a good fresh climbing effort. He did six watts per kilo for like 36 minutes to altitude. So he's in really good shape, but that's not the question. You know, Lopez, he didn't have his contract terminated because he wasn't doing well. Um, he's still a, still a good rider. It, yeah. It's because of an alleged link to a doping doctor that Astana said they terminated his contract. So him doing a good performance here doesn't change anything, really. Like he was did a good welter. So will we, yeah, will a team just suddenly give him a contract? Unlikely. Ghana still, Ghana eventually did get penalized for adopting sort of the a, a track Madison position yeah. with his hands curved out. Um, 500 francs and a time penalty, maybe. Um, and without the time penalty, he might have been able to go for bonus seconds on the intermediates in the other stages, but he was then 30 seconds behind on GC, I think. So that just ended GC completely. I believe other riders have disqualified for doing that, so we'll see how that goes in the future. I, I agree. I was surprised that Aguita couldn't hold the wheel a little bit longer, but Lopez just super strong 5K attack and wins the stage, and that was pretty much GC... Pretty much GC done. Um, and then Medellin could just shut it down. They had a strong team. After that, though, Bernal abandoned the race with, he said knee pain, but I think was that from a crash on stage one? It wasn't like... Apparently. Uh, okay, it wasn't knee pain from like riding too much because no. the guy's been riding loads. So it's not <laughs> like this is, oh, a big shock to the system. This is, It's probably been easier. What are you racing here? Um, <laughs> that is apocalyptic stages. Exactly. That's they, way harder training than what he's doing here. He's probably losing fitness on the sprint stages. <laughs> um, do you think he looks on that climb, though? He was there with the Gita and pacing Ghana. I think he looked pretty good. Like, yep. that actually gave me a bit of hope. I think so as well. It gives me hope that he can be there. But the issue for Bernal is also not necessarily instantly for me to uh, the instant good performance it's also can he do it consistently over a few weeks because i think the back pain that he had already before i recall it was being back pain before the crash was also like with tendencies to have an issue in the third week in that one tour de france and then that one time on segariala where it wasn't that great that one day like can he keep it sustained now for three weeks at this level that's also a question but it's also not a performance where you're like oh he's gonna slap pogatra and vinga go with ease on the tour de france so we need to see a build up but it's also january in the same way that remco's performance was not great on this day either so i'm happy to see him compete like he is because honestly i feared for a lot worse when the crash happened Yeah, I agree. You know, he's back doing decent climbing performances to altitude. Um, so that's that's a step in the right direction. It is only January after all. So that that was really positive to see. And then the last two sprint stages were, uh, well, the last two stages were sprints rather, both won by Sam Wellsford. DSM got their train right. Medellin were just defending Lopez GC lead. 
and the first stage, Wellsford actually came out of the wheel of, of Jakobsen uh, after a perfect lead-up by Van Poppel for Bennett. And I think Bennett was still fine, but yeah, Wellsford, he was super fast He on that sprint, and he's coming out of the wheel of Jakobsen. That's what's super <laughs> impressive about that. And he's obviously dropping big power, and he's an ex-track guy, so always had the big probably five-second peak, and... He backed it up again on stage seven, winning the, the sprint. He, much easier the next time ahead of Jakobsen yep. and uh, and Bennett, I think. Oh, no, Bennett was not even there. I don't, Jakobsen kind of stuffed up the final stage. But, yeah, what, what did you think? Let's talk about Sam Wilson first. What do you think about his these two sprints? Does this put him into firmly like you expect him at UAE to an hour to probably win a stage? I think he can compete for a stage. Winning is a big word. I think beating Jakobsen twice head-to-head is fine. Uh, proves a lot, but it's also not the best Jakobsen we've seen. That being said, I would say that his stage six performance is the most impressive one. I will, however, say that it kind of reminds me of that stage he won with Turkey last year, where he came yeah, from behind the rider so. very late. And I swear it was also cross tailwind back then, and I... I've heard saying that in the stage six, it was also cross tailwind where he got that bonus boost of air behind him that shot him past the rider here as well. But you still need the power to perform that. You still need the power to pull that off because a lot of the riders would be in the wheel and not be able to go over a Jakobsen or whoever he's in the wheel from. And Wellsford can do it. So Wellsford, the, the thing is, when DSM was doing their, their team preview announcement crap that they do at the start of the season, like the presentation thing, they put Dynasty as third on the list, if I recall correctly. As, as in they mentioned their sprinters as in Sam Wellsford and the Dutch guy, what's his name? Oh, um, the guy that also rode very well in Schilderprijs with Wellsford. Jesus, how do I not know his name? Yes, Van Uden. Those two riders were the first two sprinters they named, not Dainese. I think Wellsford is better than Dainese. Yeah, I mean, Dainese is like a... Yeah, he's not that well, fast. Well, a Giro stage, though. I know, but... Like, yeah. He's, Dainese had a lot of chances, too, last year as well. Like, he's, he's had a lot of chances. Um, that Giro stage win was nice. Uh, but, it was, yeah, it was, again... Well, so can win one of them too. Uh, yeah. I think this and he's not a bit more impressive. So. And yeah, Dino's not Australian, so of course that has to count against him <laughs> uh, in my eyes. Well, so they're also probably going to be better than Dino's. He already showed in Shell the Price. He's going to be better in those lighter classics without yeah. too many severe heels. Same with Van Uden. Should be really strong there. Um, but the final stage, yeah, he... DSM had a lot of guys, big trains set up, and I was like, mm, they're not using them fast enough. They're about to get swarmed, and that kind of did happen. Yep. They did get swarmed by Michael Merku, who was alone. And you're thinking, what the? Is this a reverse lead out from Merku? What's he doing? And then you know, I wound back to tape, and about 450 to go. So, no, he starts a really hard kick at 500, and. And then 4.50 to go, Jakobsen just lets his wheel go. And he's got clear air. There's no no pressure on Jakobsen, someone pinching his wheel off. No, no, no. Just lets Merku's wheel go straight up. Merku then goes from the left side of the road to the right side of the road. He's going to continue leading out to about 200, 180. And then he's going to let Jakobsen through on the inside to the barriers and then probably yep. peel out wide and 
get in the way of everybody else. Um, beautiful stuff. And Jakobsen just lets the wheel go. And I was like, I, I couldn't believe it. I, it he must have thought he must have thought Mercury was going way too early. And then Jakobsen basically loses momentum, goes back into the middle of the bunch in the draft. Sirius is in his left, taking a lot of space as he does. And then Welsh gets a clear run at it with speed from his lead out. And, and really no one else, Jakobsen doesn't even get out to sprint. He goes, he then chooses to cut the barriers when there's space to the left of Nizzolo and collects. He, no, he doesn't collect. A spectator is doing the wrong thing, holding their phone out into the, into the race. And he, collects with Jakobsen's head, so I hope he's okay. Uh, but he also nearly crashed into the barriers himself, just about, with his wheel, uh, separate to that. So really curious to me. Uh, for example, like Kit or Benji, he just ain't – or Bennett, they're just never losing the wheel there. Never, 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 never. No. They will they will back themselves. They don't give a fuck. 200 to go, 180 to go. I'm the best sprinter in the world. I'm just going to go. I agree. And especially because, like, it's also not at 600 meters, like 400, 450. Merkel can probably keep it until 200, 180, he roughly, could've. from that point onwards. But the question is also, advocate of the devil for a second, has Merkel given a reason in the 2022 season to not trust them completely? And then I'm also kind of like, sometimes he has. So, eek. I I agree. I agree. But like, if I also think Merku sometimes like if he doesn't have it, he'll flick you onto the wheel of Van Poppel or, or Bennett on Van Poppel's wheel. Yeah. But, like, I see no reason here why you'd be like, I won't just follow him. I just see no reason to let the wheel go here. It, it yeah. makes no sense, um, and it costs him a chance at the stage win because if he got the lead out there and opens up, and then Wellsford's on the wheel, then. With with Jakobsen having momentum, I'd really like to have seen that. That would have been cool to see, but didn't happen. Yeah. Welser was in good position. DSM did a great job, and Welser's good enough to win. And yeah, great job from them. Two wins in a row, three wins in in two days. So, congrats to DSM. GC, uh, we haven't really covered GC too much, mainly because this was a sprinters fest. Uh, but the final GC, Miguel Angel Lopez wins for Medellin. Not often you'll see a Conti team winning a Dot Pro Race GC. Yeah. let alone a stage so that's it's unusual but yeah lopez wins gana second on 30 seconds iggy to third on 44 seconds rubio fourth on 50 rivera on the 101 bernal would have finished in the top 10 even if finishes seventh because the time lost on uh colorado simmons finishes 10th and on those two simmons and even they did try and attack definitely pre-planned yeah. um attack Filippo uh, Gana was left out of the WhatsApp group, that's for sure, um, because he wasn't involved in it. They tried a two-up attack with like eight, nine Ks to go in this sprint stage, and I thought I thought they were gone, Benji. But then Total pace, like a lot of Bora put Mullen forward to pace. Bodnar. Bodnar, he actually did a good job, I reckon. Yeah. And the Italian team paced, Medellin paced. A lot of teams contributed and chased them down. So even though they're two strong guys, yeah, they got it was cool to see. I was um, DSM didn't contribute though, did they? I don't know. I can't remember. I, I can't remember at all. Call, but call, you mentioning Medellin, you mentioning Medellin reminds me of the fact that it's actually really sad. Imagine being Oscar Sevilla, being the king in town, and then Lopez yeah. loses a contract, and you suddenly have to domestic at your old age. 
helping out your boy Lopez now. Like, come on. Sevilla's a legend down there. Come on. Can't do that to him. I mean, didn't that kind of happen to Sevilla himself when he went from Team Mobile to Rock <laughs> Racing? And, True. Um, <laughs> so he probably knows he knows the game. Um, yeah. But, yeah, he they win. Big win for them, um, I guess. But don't expect to see Lopez back in World Tour because of it is, is my view. I think a nice week for Movistar, actually, mainly because Gaviria looked good. Yeah, not just that he won a stage; he also looked good for a lot of the others. He also nearly came up; on, he came alongside Jakobsen in another stage. That's pretty good. And Rubio, like fifth, it's fine. Like, you know, it's fine. Still got beaten by Ganner on the climb, uh, but it's not that. It just goes to show how important, you know, how fast these guys got climbs. If it's not seven percent plus, like the big guys really can can do very well. But yeah, any last thoughts from San Juan Benji? Um, should we be worried about um, Remco Evenepoel? I think just very simple. I don't think we should be worried from a San Juan result for Remco Evenepoel. It's plenty of time to to grow into it. I think he said that it's preparation for UAE Tour, which is kind of a silly way to say because I think everything's preparation for the Giro. Let's be honest about that. Even <laughs> yeah. if he doesn't want to say it, he's still saying, I want a top five of the Giro. He's there to win it. Come on, let's be honest about it. Wait, he's saying now, he wants a top five of the Giro. Yeah, top five is where he would be happy. Dude, I don't believe how it. How much money have Quickstep cost themselves by trying to make Remco boring? But it's like, just it's, let him I don't be. blame he's him. He's an it. interesting guy and he's smart. He could have been like, he could have been like, he, he is a superstar. I'm just saying, like, he isn't. They've just clear, and they've even admitted. Remember, I swear there's an interview. Oh, Lefebvre did a in his column, and he. He told Remco maybe two years ago, he's like, you, you know, if you if you talk like this, they'll criticize you, so just be, like, boring. Um, don't be like, I'm going to go out and win the race. It's like, fuck, man. Yeah, and, like, let guys he's be proven. their personality. He proves every single time that when he has ambitions, he can deliver on them. So it's kind of really, really fucked up that he's now being kind of pushed into a situation where he can't speak about his ambitions or he's going to get... He's literally still going to get... I, I saw a tweet this morning. I'm getting triggered now. I saw a tweet this morning about some random Dutch person. I don't blame Dutch people. Just that specific person was Dutch. I'm not trying to do this a Belgian versus Dutch, Netherlands thing. Because there was a Dutch flag next to the name. Unless they just oh, have okay. a Dutch flag next to their name. To, could, be, could be British. I know. <laughs> get, it, get, it, get out of here. I just wanted to say that they were saying like and Remco is already talking about the fact that he wants to that he that he's going to win the Giro and that he's going to win LVL. He's never said that. People are just putting words in his mouth and are pretending like he said it to to make him sound arrogant. And so he's one of the friendliest riders that I met. Like last year, I met him. He, he took an hour of, out of his day to to just spend time with me. And then I I don't know. Ah, oh, I can't get over yeah. it. I generally can't get over it. I'm triggered. I, it's just, did he say the words top five? Like, yes, yeah. he didn't. Top see, five in the stage. Stu- see, that's just like, it's disingenuous to me. Oh, well, like, it was either top five or podium. Correction. Just to be okay, sure. Podium, it was okay, either podium, one of the two. But like, he won the, he won, and uh, we won the Vuelta and he's world champion. Like, what are we doing here? Like, of course he's going for the win. Like, what, yeah. uh, <laughs> of course he is. Anything else? He, he knows that. We know that. Everyone knows that. And also, like, I agree with the comment you mentioned. Like I saw on the video, the San Juan thing I did, people were like, you know, oh, having a tantrum. He's like, what, you know, what is he? He thinks he's a superstar. I'm like, he's literally riding in the world champions bands. 
<laughs> if that doesn't make him a superstar, like what are you? What are we doing? You won the a Liège a Grand Tour and World Championships. Mate, Fuck. Who's a, who's a superstar then? <laughs> if that doesn't qualify you, I know it's a shame. It is a shame, and I I get why he does it because yeah, you, I I see all these comments. I'm like, what the hell? Like, wouldn't you rather have a guy who? Yeah. Anyway, I, it's a shame. But I get why he does it. I just think maybe it's gone a bit too far the other way. Like maybe let him use his Twitter account. <laughs> um, <laughs> give him give him access back. We'll, we'll keep that. We'll keep beating that drum. Um, but yeah, that was San Juan. No need to be worried about Remco. Uh, this was televised training, pretty much. Uh, but the sprints for the GC guys, rather for the sprints, it's a little bit more than televised training. They they're trying to set things up and really yeah. and really were trying to win. Uh, but that's all from us here. Hope you enjoyed the potty, and we'll be back with some other content throughout the week. Until then, ciao. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 